sitting in the gym of West Frederick, bawling my eyes out, thinking, God, you were there. You were there the whole time, and you watched all of this happen, and I wasn't alone. You know how I feel, and you feel that pain for me. I knew that in every hard moment of my life, I've never been by myself. From that point on, I just knew that like all I had to do was trust that whether this was gonna work out or not, God was going to be there with me in it all. Thank you for listening to the Collective Church Podcast. Collective is a church for the rest of us, which means if you've never been to church, walked away from the church, or are struggling to find a church to connect with, you belong here. Every Thursday over the next year, we are sharing a new episode in our Your Story Matters podcast series. This is an opportunity for people from Collective to be real about their brokenness and what God has done and is doing in their lives. These stories will be real and raw and vulnerable, and we hope they encourage and inspire you in your own faith to share your story. To watch the sermons from the Your Story Matters series or to find out more, you can head to www.mycollective.church. So this is part three of Chris and Maggie's story. And if you haven't listened to part one or part two yet, go ahead and pause this one and jump back a few episodes so you can see what got them to this point. Because while this episode is going to be full of healing and hope and redemption and um, ultimately God using their story to change the world, they don't get to this point without episode one and two. And so if you've caught up, keep listening. If you haven't caught up yet, jump back a few episodes, listen to those first, uh, and then join us for episode three once you're there. We're excited that you guys are with us today as we conclude Chris and Maggie's story. So what did faith feel like that Christmas? Because that's really when it was the lowest of the low. Um, Yeah, so I was really mad for a while. I was really well. I was really mad at Chris because I was like, I, I like created this life with you, and this is this is how you repay me. This is what you do. You ruin our life. You know, like I was singing, and so a lot of I mean, like every week at that point because we didn't have, have anybody else. Yeah. So there was a lot of time on my long drive to work, like just listening to worship music every single day. I was just like, we had this playlist that Dylan created. I just like every day, the whole way there, the whole way back. Like I knew when I when Sammy passed away, I was really mad at God because I felt like he took something away from me. And there was a point, like I think at the beginning where I was mad at God because I was like, how can you, like you've already taken my son, like how can you let this be a part of my life? And then we start the Christmas Carol series. I was crying every single week. Um, but you were preaching on Silent Night. And I don't remember all the context, but you were talking about like the presence of God. And I remember sitting in the gym of West Frederick, bawling my eyes out, thinking, God, you were there. You were there the whole time, and you watched all of this happen. And you just let it happen. You did nothing. And like within a five minute, 10 minute maybe time frame, I went from there to, you were there the whole time. And I wasn't alone. You know how I feel and you feel that pain for me. And you're not the kind of God who like comes in and fixes everything, but you're the God who never leaves people alone. And I knew that in every hard moment of my life, I've never been by myself. 
And like, it's very lonely. It's very lonely when you're at home by yourself with a one-year-old and your husband is, you know, an hour and a half away. It's very lonely when you're in bed and you should be holding a newborn and you're not. But God is there in every single moment. I just remember sitting there thinking, okay, like I'm not by myself. I feel very lonely and I'm really mad, but this isn't your fault. Like you created us and we're all these very broken people, but like you never leave our side in any of it. And from that point on, I just knew that like all I had to do was trust that whether this was going to work out or not, God was going to be there with me in it all. I mean, there were definitely some very high, like it was all over the place. It was a real roller coaster those eight, nine months, however long it was. But I never felt alone. And like I can remember driving to work many mornings, you know, especially like in the winter and like it's sunrise. So like the sky's beautiful and we always say like it's Sammy painting. And I just remember driving and be like, all right, God, like I feel like you're telling me that there are things I have to do. And um, I'm just going to trust that you're going to be there in it with me. And he was. <clears throat> For me, I mean, I, I went into like self-protect mode at first and was trying to do everything I could to like figure out, all right, is there anything that I can salvage here? Like marriage, friendships, anything. Like, and so I started to do things like to like present, again, present an image. Right. So I jumped mm-hmm. into therapy right away and was like, guys, look, you know, I'm, 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 I'm fixing myself. Like mm-hmm. I like we can, we can, we can make, we can work through this all together, you know? And then it became very clear, like that wasn't <laughs> the case. And, and she kept throwing the divorce word around and, yeah. and, and then I got really mad because then like I let everything hit me all at once, you know, I let grief from Sammy hit me, anger over all the things from my childhood hit me, loneliness, and then all of the insecurities and self-doubt and negative self-talk and all of the things hit me all at once of like, you're a failure. Like everything you've ever touched has, has failed. Like you've never had a good relationship ever in your life. You've always been a manipulator. You've always been a liar, like all the things. Um, so then I like, I sunk like deep into a depression for a, a while. So I started going to church at Mosaic. Life was so weird back then yeah. because like, it was also like a, a weird tiptoe because I had like, I burned a lot of bridges in the church world. <laughs> and, and the church world is not that large in the state of Maryland. So yeah. like, I couldn't go, you know, I wasn't going to collective. I couldn't, felt like I couldn't go to Mountain. I couldn't go to, to CCC. I couldn't go to Revolution in Annapolis. It was like, well, where else should I go? So, um, so I was working and living in Harford County and then driving down to Columbia uh, for church mm-hmm. and then driving over to Frederick to like help take care of Jude every once in a while, mm-hmm. you know, or to see him. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but I remember going to church in, in Columbia one time and Carl was out and he had a, had a guest, he's a pastor who had been through like addiction and my story, like all the things. And I remember then like sitting there I remember sitting, like I was sitting, I was sitting in the back row and like he was talking about like God's redemption and how he can take 
like our mess and our brokenness and if we offer it to him like he can bring healing to any situation and that doesn't mean like redemption doesn't always mean like in restoration doesn't always mean like what we want it to be and you know and he was like that doesn't always mean like that your your story will work out the way you want it to Mm -hmm. but it does mean that god will be with you and he'll like he can bring healing in his way to your story and um and uh I remember thinking, like, I believe that, and I believe that God can do that in my life. I had no idea what that would look like, but that's when I, I remember specifically, like, I'm like making the decision, like, that regardless of what happens with my marriage or, like, my friendships or anything, like, I have to do this for me, and I have to try to seek healing mm-hmm. for myself. I was like, I can't keep living this way. You know, like whether I'm going to be married or not, I'm still going to be a father because I have a kid. Um, and so I remember sitting there and I sat there, service ended and I just like was sitting there. Like all of a sudden I look over and a guy's walking down the aisle towards me and it was a friend from college. <laughs> it was our friend Jay from college it was completely random <laughs> and he just like he had he was living in maryland at the time and going like happened to be going to mosaic it was a saturday night service um and he saw me and i just like vomited all of this <laughs> stuff to him sitting there told him everything that was going on he was like how you doing Grace? what are you doing and i was like well let me tell you <laughs> uh, my wife just kicked me out i just resigned from collective Everybody hates me, and uh, here's everything, you know. Um, I don't remember what he said, but, you know, I remember talking about, like, I think God had me here tonight for a reason, and he was like, you can do it, man. And I'll I'll never forget that. It was just like a simple, simple thing. And so then I started taking therapy seriously. I was going to individual therapy multiple times a week, and individ- and uh, I was going to a recovery group literally every day, and uh, I was going to uh, like group therapy at my you know done by my therapist as well. I remember going into therapy, and I walked in, and I told like told my th- I sat down, and my therapist was like, "How you doing?" And I was like, "I haven't been honest," and she was like, "Oh, I know." <laughs> he was like, "I know." She was like, I was just waiting. Wow. Uh, because you do like this whole intake form and you're supposed yeah. to like check the boxes of here's all the things. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I didn't check any, you know, yeah. barely anything. That's why I love her. Yeah. <laughs> and and uh, I was like, I haven't been honest. She was like, I know. I was just, you know, letting it come on your time. And, yeah. and so then it started and went down this path towards um, they do this thing called disclosure and, and therapy. It's full disclosure where... You start, you, you share everything yeah. with your spouse. Everything they need to know. Yeah. yeah. It's a very organized and uh, strategic way mm-hmm. of sharing all your stuff, all your baggage, mm-hmm. and putting it out there. Mm-hmm. There's an opera, it's done in a safe way, which, by the way, on the side, like if anybody is ever going through hard things and, you know, with your spouse, like I highly recommend, like, not verbally vomiting everything all over your spouse and and doing it in a safe way with with a therapist and a a good a good thing you know but then it like it gives your spouse an opportunity essentially to say like okay this is everything Mm -hmm. 
backed up by a polygraph test, by the way, yes. to, to know that, yes, this is everything. But it gives the spouse, your spouse an opportunity to say, okay, now that I know everything, can we move forward? Is it a clean slate? Yeah, mm-hmm. of like, essentially, like, now there's no more secrets, you know, because yeah. like our entire relationship, entire marriage <clears throat> and foundation of it was built on lies, mm-hmm. right? Always. Um, and so if you're going to have a shot at moving forward, there has to be, there can't be any more lies anymore. Yeah. There can't be anything hidden anymore. And so, you know, I shared everything. <laughs> then I had to go to Hagerstown and take a polygraph test and they come back with the results and says, yes, like he's told the truth about mm-hmm. everything. And what do you want to do with that? <laughs> no. That day, not a lot. Yeah, because I was going to say, at this point though, just so people are clear, you're not doing that to save your marriage. Right, no. Right, because it had been months, you know, Maggie's still, at, you know, attending collective, serving. Single um, mom in it. Yep, single mom in it. But you go through disclosure because the end goal is you actually living a life of honesty and understanding that you are addicted, you know, like you are a sex addict who has made mistakes in his past, but disclosure is saying, I'm clearing that deck out Mm -hmm. and I want to start this, this next phase of my life in honesty, not Mm -hmm. clear of the temptations, not I'm unaddicted now. And Maggie, you're doing that again, not, to see is Chris telling the truth, just say, right. this is part of his process. Right. And you're like, I'll be a part of his process for him. Mm-hmm. You have disclosure. It's maybe a week or two later when you guys are like, we're fighting for this. The first, well, the the first, first day so. I was like, I don't know who you are and sure. goodbye. Yeah. That was my initial, <laughs> that was my initial. there was a lot of things you didn't know. There was a lot. I mean, 95% I didn't know. From my childhood and things like that. Yeah, there was like a lot. Were, yeah, how deep it went. Oh, yeah. 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 Like yeah, so there was like a whole mixture of like, I don't trust you and I don't like you, but also, oh my gosh, this has been your life. And I had no idea. Like when his therapist was like, you know, this guy's dealing with depression. And I was like, who who has depression? Chris Wells does not. Not Chris Wells. He's always happy. and But like. Which, which is what he wanted you yes, to see. Yes. Right? And, and I mean, my world view was shattered that day. Yeah. It's for so many reasons, um, but like I was also just so heartbroken for us. But I was really heartbroken for him. But it was yeah. So like probably like a week later, he was back at the house to spend time with Jude, and it, he was just different. It and like I couldn't explain it. But like this was the first time in my entire life of knowing him that I could tell like he wasn't weighed down by something, and. You know, I was still really mad and I didn't trust him, but I like could tell that he wasn't hiding anything anymore. And, you know, here we are, it's March. What's around the corner? Sammy's birthday. And it was his third birthday. It snowed that day. (laughs) (laughs) But it was so hard because previously, like his birthday had been a big deal. You guys had come with us. We had done a lot of things like to make it a true celebration of him. And like we were all in a very weird space, so it was just us and Jude. And it was really hard because it was such a stark shift from like what our previous celebrations had been, but I feel like we just wanted to honor him that day. And I can remember multiple times, like over the months that we were separate, being like, 
I don't know if I want this to be like, I just went back and forth, back and forth all the time. Is this over? Is this not over? Do I want this? Do I not want this? Can I ever be with this man again? I don't know. But like, it always came back to Sammy and it always came back to on April 17th and May 13th, there is not a single person in this world who knows how I feel except for Chris. You know, I can remember a friend being like, do you really want to stick around with him for two days out of the year? And I was like, it's not, it's not two days out of the year. Like it is, it's two days out of the year that are excruciatingly hard. But like, it's my whole life, it's every day. If I don't cry at least once a week about it, it's just like, that's, that's part of my that's life. Rare. And I don't, think, I don't think it'll ever be different. And you know, his birthday came and it was a really hard day. It was freezing cold, but like I didn't, I knew he needed to be there. And I knew that like, he knew how I felt. And I knew that he loves that boy just as much as I do. And, you know, we sat there with Jude, who like still at that point didn't like completely understand everything. But, you know, it was like, a it was a beautiful moment. You know, and we always read and Pete the Cat. And I was like, I, I don't think I'm done. And I, you know, a couple weeks later, like I sat down at your dining room table and you're like, what is happening? Yeah. And I was like, I don't think I'm done here. I don't think I'm done. And you were like, okay, well, we're in it with you. And I was like, well, I know, thank you. <laughs> but it was, you know, it was a mess. And um, like that was the beginning of really hard work of like, if we're gonna make this work, you know, we had to sit down and talk about like, what are the things that make me feel safe so that like, I can learn to trust you. And like, it was terrifying. It was a terrifying decision. Yeah. But it also felt like it was the right decision. I really felt like God was like saying, like, this is, we're not done here. Yeah. And I can fix this. If you work with me, like, we can fix this. Yeah. I mean, it was, there was a lot of emotion on our end, right? Like, we love you guys. There was a lot of, you know, you know somebody for a really long time. And then you're like, do I really know this mm -hmm. person? Then there's all the, you have all the self-doubt that comes with that of, like, did I miss something? Right. Did what I didn't miss I all know? the signs? Like, what didn't I know? Yeah. And you know, Chris and I have had conversations about that since then of like times when I ask really good questions, but I didn't trust my own judgment to like keep pushing on those questions, which came from my own self doubt, which came from the voices in my head that were telling me you're not good enough without him, you know, and all that stuff, all these things come he out. He was a good manipulator. So, well, and, and, and honestly, like we had a shallow friendship, like we talked about stuff. We didn't talk about stuff like, you know, and so there's a lot of responsibility even on my side as the pastor, as a leader, as a friend, where, you know, you get that feeling and you just don't don't lean into it. But I remember you guys sitting down with us and saying, hey, we want to fight for this. And it was like, I don't understand, <laughs> you know, because, because I've watched in my own family, you know, infidelity and destruction. Mm -hmm. It was like, well, that's the easier route. Right. And in a very low moment as a leader, I, I said to you guys, like, we prayed. Like, we prayed for this. We prayed God would bring us to Frederick and he would heal marriages. Mm -hmm. I did not think it would be yours. And, and I've preached on, on this before and that's exactly why God did it. Yeah. Right. Like we have no right to be a part of a community and be leaders in a church and try to help other people in their own marriages if we're unwilling to, to dig into our own. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and so, yeah, you guys asked if you can come back to collective and Ray and I play this out all the time. I remember saying, you know, that's the harder thing to do. Right. Mm -hmm. And you guys response was, where else are we going to go? Yep. And it was one of the hardest questions anybody's ever asked me <laughs> in my life. <clears throat> and uh, it was a few weeks later, you guys were sitting 
in the front row. <laughs> Crying. Because I made you. Uh, and it was the beginning of, of restoration. You know, it's been four years mm-hmm. since then, which is crazy. It was tough. I mean, to like go from, you know, not existing in the same space to like you can sleep in the guest room to we can share the same bed, but we like, that's it. You know, there's no intimacy there. I don't trust you. I'm like, these are baby steps into whatever this is going to look like. I mean, honestly, like lots of checking on like, are you making your phone calls? Are you doing, you know, working on your steps? Are you doing what you're supposed to be doing to make me feel safe and make me feel comfortable? He switched to a car dealership out in Hagerstown. So like he wasn't, you know, commuting super far away. My neighbor, our neighbor let me live with him for a little while. He lived on our neighbor's couch for a while. (laughs) Before I officially moved in. Um, Thanks, Matt. Yeah. But like, I mean, a lot of fear, like it's really terrifying to say like, okay, yeah, we'll do this thing. But you just shattered my whole life into lots and lots of pieces. So there are many pieces to put back together. Um, but I think, you know, it had been a long time since we had like just been going to church together. So that was really great. Like I got to just attend. I didn't serve that summer, which was really great. Except for the, well, I led the trip to Haiti, which was yeah. great. And you called me beforehand and was like, who would have thought that Sammy's life, like we all knew that he would change the world, but like he changed your life and he's a part of all of this. And I was like, I didn't think about it that way, but... <laughs> But it was true, and I feel like, you know, knowing that who he is as a person is the person that I love, like, minus all of the garbage and all the baggage that he had, like, there's the person that, like, I really love, and I want to see, like, who God turns him in into. Yeah, well, and this, and this was really different for me because, um, honestly, like, since high school, I had never just gone to church. Really, as soon as I graduated high school and went to college, like it was all with the purpose of ministry. And so like when I got into therapy and we started fighting for our marriage and then we started coming back to collective, that was like the first time a, a decade, yeah. <laughs> you know, or more. I was, what, no, yeah, I'm in my 30s now. So, yeah, it'd be like you know, 15 or 16 15 years. years yeah. That, you know, um, I started exploring faith like as a relationship with Jesus, not as a job. So like my faith grew a ton in that season and it was hard. I had like the tendencies of like wanting to like (laughs) lean into like ministry, but like, I remember you guys all like, you know, focus on your, focus on you, focus on your faith. And, and, and that was like one of the best things ever Mm. for my life and my relationship with Jesus, because like, I actually like, I stripped everything back. I discovered what it meant to pray again for myself right. not, not publicly yeah. as a job or you know, like or anything i mm-hmm. discovered i like rediscovered what it is to read your bible not to prepare a sermon yeah. or right. write curriculum for kids yeah. Yeah. or like you know i rediscovered like what it was for to read my bible to enrich, enrich my faith and grow in my relationship with jesus i discovered what it was to serve just to serve you know when I asked if I could like join the team again, you know, I started doing pipe and drape, you know, <laughs> showing up, driving the trailer, yep. and setting up pipe and drape in the gym, yeah. mm-hmm. you know. Well, and that's that's because part of the conversation was like, hey, I've been putting up this facade for most of my life, 
so one of the things that in your honesty with us was, hey, you need to be in a role that has no glitz or glamour to it. Mm -hmm. And um, because part of it, even on my perspective, was like, can he put a pipe and drape? Not physically, (laughs) but like, is he he able to be in that position to take like this very entry level role to church where he could be preaching, he could be leading worship, you could be doing all these things. But it's like, you know, are you are you willing? And, you know, from my perspective and, and from Ray's and for people that know you, you didn't do it because you're like biding your time. You're like, hey, if this is how I can contribute, this is how I can contribute. Yeah. And it was like, man, this is this is a different man. Yeah. You know, like no one ever applauded the pipe and drape people. I <laughs> ever. Um, we still have the pipe and drape cart yeah. in yeah. a storage unit right now. And most people want to burn it to pieces. Yeah. And I have a love. For that thing it brought you back <laughs> yeah. It did. yeah and so like all of that whole season it was it was new for me mm-hmm. you know it was it was it was faith and Jesus in a way that I'd literally never experienced it in my entire life before and so like we began having conversations about faith way differently than we ever had before because yeah. it was always about what are we leading what are we yeah. doing you know for you know for our for my job right. you know right and at this point it was just like it was just for us yeah. mm-hmm. you know and and what was what was god doing in our marriage right. and yeah. in our individual faith and that i think that was one of the most beautiful things was that like god was working so clearly like in my life individually in maggie's life individually mm-hmm. and then us together and it was like three different pockets (laughs) where you could actively see like god doing something because like if i wasn't working on on it for myself then you know the marriage part wouldn't (laughs) wouldn't happen right you know um so i I look back on that season and i'm like i'm so thankful for what Mm -hmm. god did then a lot of hard conversations i mean we always have had wonderful support but like the way that people came to be like, hey, we believe in your ability to work at this, and like, we know that God can can heal your marriage. Like, that was a big thing too, I think, for us, just knowing that we had the support that we needed when things were tough. Well, from our from our church, yeah, yeah, like, no, yeah, we had a ton of questions from the exterior, right? Yeah, like, sure, yeah. There were a yeah. ton of questions from outside of like, yeah. what is happening, or you know, right? But like, if I'm still in ministry, we didn't move back to to Maryland. And we weren't a part of collective, like we're divorced. <laughs> Jude has a split family mm-hmm. and he doesn't have brothers. <laughs> yeah. Collective and this community walking alongside the two of us yeah. as we fought for our marriage is why we're married today. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people have a lot of opinions um, about the way that we've handled this situation. Someone told me to go plant with your best friends. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh man, that's such an arrogant thing to say. And then this happens and I'm like, this is why you don't plant with your best friends. <laughs> but now I look at it and go, this is why you plant with your best friends yeah. because collective isn't collective without God's work in all of us. Right. we didn't ask for it. We didn't want it. <laughs> I, w- I mean, I very much would have preferred the easy way. Same. <laughs> but I don't think collective is able to do and, and say and care for the things that it does and says and cares for if if we weren't real about this stuff. Because the thing is, every church has scenarios like this. Oh, yeah. They just handle it differently. And I do remember- Definitely I got, don't talk about it. <laughs> I, well, and I got a phone call right after you guys started coming back to Collective. 
and I got a phone call from somebody who was like, you're making a mistake. And it was like, it's my mistake to make. Mm-hmm. And you know, if this bites me, it bites me. Like if we've been through worse <laughs> and we'll, but, but here's what's remarkable about that. When, when people decide ahead of time that God can't redeem your story, cause that's what they're saying, right? Right. Like the pastor who called me, that's what he's saying. He's, he's not saying strategically and leadership wise, this is a bad decision to let them come to your church. Right. What he's saying is God can't redeem this without bringing pain to you or making things harder for you. Mm-hmm. But when we decide a story has to end where it ends, we miss out on the opportunity for God to truly use it. And one of the remarkable things about your guys' story, as messy as it is and as broken as it is, is over the past few years, you guys have had opportunities to sit down with couples yeah. where there's been infidelity. Mm-hmm. You've been able to love and care for families who have suffered loss. Mm-hmm. You've been able to coach and encourage men who are struggling with pornography addiction, women who are struggling you know, with husbands who have pornography addictions. You guys didn't ask for that, but God has put you in that place. And so you know, when we think about this idea of your story matters, it's not a series about perfect stories and bowed up presence of life. What we think about is you've been through something some, some things you, you made happen for yourself because you made bad decisions. Some things just happen because life is hard. Mm-hmm. Your story matters because God can then take that and like the key image, you know, unlock something in yourselves and unlock something in others. So talk to us about why now you are willing to share your story and sit down really like in front of the bullets that are flying <laughs> at other marriages and other families sure. so that you can try to help them mm-hmm. trust God and do the things that God's asking them to do. Why do you guys do that? The things that we've been through in our life, you know, we're not vocationally in ministry anymore, but like this is the rawest and purest form of ministry that we've ever had a chance to be a part of. We always say it's a really crappy ministry, (laughs) but we don't say crappy, but this is a podcast, so. You You wouldn't be the first person to cuss on it. Yeah, it's our ministry, and you know, if we, you know, the things that we have been through, if we can help other people mm-hmm. in their relationship with Jesus in those moments, yeah. like that's the important part. And it. it is like, you know, when we talk to people, it's like, it's about their faith and their relationship with Jesus. Yeah. Like if that's the focus on it, then God can, can work. We've seen both sides. We've, we've talked right. to people who yeah. like, you know, where restoration has, has occurred because they focused on their faith in Jesus. And then We've talked to people who, like, it was all about the marriage, and then it didn't work. Yeah. You know, I think, like, there were people there for us. <laughs> you know, for me, I like, I, I don't want to see people walk through the, the pain <laughs> in the same way yeah. that we've had to, to walk through. And if we can help support them and, and hold, hold them up while they walk right. through some of that yeah. pain, you know, because they're going to have the pain. You know, you go through things to, so that you can support others. Yeah, I mean, you need empathy in those moments. Like, you are going to feel the emotions you're going to feel, and there's nothing really that people can say in the immediate that's going to heal whatever brokenness you feel. But if there's someone who will listen and say, like, hey, like, I I feel that. I've been there. I know that feeling. And God is with you to support you through that. You know, like, you can feel however you feel towards him right now. Like, he's not going to be upset if you're mad at him. God's going to love you anyway. You can be mad at him. It's a relationship. Um, but knowing that God will hold them in that moment and and walk them through all of that at the same time is, 
you know, it's not something that I ever thought that we would do, but I don't want anybody to, you know, feel like they have nothing or no one to be there with them through it all. You you also have a better view of like, there's things that people said to us that were great. And there's things that people said to us that really sucked. (laughs) We kind of have a window into like, here's the things not to say to people. Mm -hmm. And here's some of the things that like, can really potentially like, you know, help set a course. Yeah. Things that, you know, that I needed that I wish I had heard for encouragement early on or certain in situations, like I can, I can give that to somebody else, you know, Mm -hmm. and hopefully it helps. Yeah. And I mean, I can speak for my own learning and growth through this, right? Like I was one of those people that said things that later on you and I had to have a conversation and it was, Hey, you you said this thing that hurt my feelings. And I remember thinking, what a weird world we're in right now. But you're right. Like I had no no right and no place to to be as angry as I was. I don't know if that's true, but <laughs> the way it came up. I mean, ultimately, I would say like, you know, when we when we moved here to do this, um, I had full faith in what God could do. I'd seen God do incredible things in my own life. Like we, I've talked about this before. My family has no right to know who Jesus is. I have no right to lead this church. But one of the things I didn't believe in it was what we prayed for. But I didn't believe God could restore marriages never seen that before. You know, I come from a broken home. Now, uh, if there's ever a relationship that comes to collective that's on the fence, it's like, we're going to fight for it. Like, we're just going to go. Because the thing is, like, when you see what God can do, like, man, do you want that in everybody? And so what's weird about the story of collective and what's weird about endless second chances and what's weird about who we are as a church is it is so much shaped by your guys' story. Endless second chances wasn't a thing that we used in the beginning. You know, we introduced that value the fall of 2018, 20, 2019, I think, uh, about a year later. And we don't say it. It's we know it. You know, we've seen it and we've seen it in your guys's marriage and in your life, you know, so much so that you guys now have 700 children, <laughs> all boys. All boys um, all now you guys went on. You have two more kids. Two pandemic babies. Daniel and you have Ray. You guys are leaders at Collective. So share now, like, what is faith like? If you guys walked away, which we've seen it, I don't think anybody would blame you. But instead, you guys have leaned in. God has healed. God has restored. God has given you purpose beyond what I think ever would have happened if you were still on staff. Because collective wouldn't be collective. But wh- how would you describe your faith today through through everything? I have, like, loved watching our life grow and knowing that, like, all of this is because of the fact that God is able to heal things. And I mean, you joke about it, but I literally cry every time somebody gets baptized at Collective yeah. because it is just another example. I like bawled on Christmas Eve. Oh, yeah. And, you know, recognizing that like people who have thought like, you know, God is not a thing, like he is not a part of my life, he is not real. And to make the decision to be baptized and know God and and know that like he is far more capable than anything we can ever fathom like it's just the most beautiful thing and so i cry every single time and i and like i know that for myself like i know that god is capable of exceeding all expectations because honestly like in the moments when i really thought that this was all over i was like well you know it is what it is like he is who he is and this addiction like i mean it was such a foreign thing to me before like really learning and and like researching things but I was just like well 
like I could have easily been like, all right, well, deuces, like we're done here. But I knew, I, I just knew that like God was able to heal him. And, you know, like we watch our kids, you know, and know that like their life will be so different, yeah. you know, not just because of the fact that like we know of how capable God is and, you know, and they like, they love being here. Like they're, this is their second home. They are always like, are we going to the building? <laughs> because they want to live here but also because like they're watching their faith grow and learning about jesus and knowing that like we have hope for this life here but also you know like we have hope that someday like our family will be whole and that we will you know our boys will meet their older brother someday and like that's honestly one of the biggest like i want a a rich faith-filled life for them but like I also know that part of my heart just longs for my kids to all know each other because that's one of the hardest things is knowing that that's not a reality on earth. And that would be so great because they're all so cute. Um, but just knowing like God is so much more capable than anything that I could ever have imagined. And I have loved watching him like just move in, in our life, but like watching him grow this church and know that like he's He's just so capable. And like, I am a control freak and I try all the time to be like, I'm just gonna handle this on my own. I'm like, every time, Maggie, every time. I don't know why you would try because you just need God to help you. Like times when I am like super anxious, I know it's because I haven't read my Bible enough. And like, you know, when we sit down on the couch and we read together and just like, uh, like rediscover parts about Jesus that like we haven't read in a while or whatever, like it's the best thing and I love doing that. Like so much of like my initial faith was on my own because we were separate. And then like we were working so hard to make things for other people. And like over these past few years, just being able to grow and, you know, learn more about Jesus together has been really cool. It's just been, I don't know, it's been incredible. Yeah. And I'm so thankful for it. Like I did not at all want this to be a part of our life, but it has created an opportunity for us to enrich our lives in ways that I don't think we would have done without the hardship because you know not that we wouldn't have needed god but like i mean in like the worst moments of my life i've just been like i cannot do this on my own and i can choose to do like the easy things on my own but i don't want to like i want god to be a part of that because my life is so much better for it yeah yeah for me i feel like this may sound terrible to anybody who's in ministry (laughs) sorry but like i honestly like feel like my faith finally has like a purpose now like Mm. way more than i ever felt like working in a church we get to do ministry and things in in a much purer way together now we do get to lead teams and stuff here at collective like Mm -hmm. it was really special a couple months ago when we got to lead worship together again for the first time in four years which was really cool and we and we celebrated a baptism that day one of our friend's daughters who we love yeah that was really special but like now like i have a job you know that i love while i'm there like i'm meeting people and friends and and such that like i want to experience collective honestly like for the first time ever like i feel that yeah Yeah. you know of like this is a place that God was able to use to, you know, do what it has done in my own faith mm-hmm. and in our own marriage and our for our kids and our mm-hmm. family. Like, why the heck would I not want to bring other people yeah. into that? And 
Yeah. Like we have, you know, people, you know, neighbors, coworkers, you know, uh, people that we want to experience this. And, mm-hmm. and so like faith now, it's like, it's so tangible and so real of yeah. like, like it has, has so much purpose yeah. behind it right now. Mm-hmm. Um, that like, I just love, love it yeah. so much. Um, and it gives us, you know, like, I, I love what we get to do. It, mm-hmm. The example that we get to set for our boys, yeah. you know, Jude saw the trough up the other day for Christmas services. And he goes, dad, is there, is, is somebody getting baptized today? And I was like, yeah, buddy, somebody's, you know, uh, accepting Jesus today. And, he, and he's like, that's so cool, <laughs> you know, and like, but like that's the dream, yeah. right? Like one day our Someday. kids will, will get baptized and write their name yeah. on that trough. Oh my gosh. It's going to be incredible. We're all going to ball our eyes out. So yeah. faith, just there's so much purpose behind it today yeah. of, you know, me as a man, as a, as a husband, as a father, as, you know, a, a leader, mm-hmm. um, you know, and just somebody that gets to, you know, hopefully represent Jesus to people that I want to then experience yeah. the yeah. same thing that we've experienced and the freedom and the hope that comes yeah. through a relationship with Jesus. Yeah. It's one of those things when you've experienced that you're like, I need to do everything I can yeah. to make sure other people can see this. And it's not yeah. you deciding like, yeah, faith is great. It's like, no, no, no. Like, let me tell you what he's done in my life. Right. Because like, this is, who we were and this is who God's making us and this is how we felt and this is how we feel now. And so kind of transitioning to the end of the conversation, one of the questions I ask everybody is what advice would you give? Give some wisdom to people uh, who are listening right now. So tell us what advice would you give to people just, you know, in light of life and what you've been through? Yeah. I mean, I mean, for me, I'd, I'd say two quick things. One, like you got to have community when you try to walk through life mm-hmm. on your own, like you're going to fail. <laughs> you you yeah. can't do it by yourself. Yeah. Um, and so having the community, like we aren't where we are without community. No. When I made it about myself and not about my faith um, mm. and my relationship with Jesus, like that's, that's when I've gotten into trouble. Um, and so my advice would be like put, like put, honestly, like put your faith first. If you're going through something... Yeah hard, whether it's your, your marriage, um, or loss or something like lean into your faith mm-hmm. first, because like, if you try to problem solve outside of that faith, like that's where the struggle is going to come in. Good luck. So, yeah. One of the things for, that I've learned is like, you have to lean into the way that you connect with God the most. So either that's like prayer or scripture, like for me, it's worship. And so like in the really hard days, like I've, just chosen to spend time with God through worship and, you know, in the car or whatever. But like, those are the times when I needed, like, I just needed to feel his presence because, you know, like Chris was saying, like, if you're trying to figure it out all on your own, like, you're just not going to, I mean, you know, we know a lot of people who don't follow Jesus, but honestly, like, I don't know, I don't know how I would have made it through these things in life without God, even when you feel alone, like you're not. And so I think like that coupled with finding the right community, the people that you need who are going to support you and ask you the hard questions, like, and push you, but also give you space to just breathe and, like, feel your feelings because 
there are no right answers because every everything is situational, but also, I mean, like the only right thing really is to lean in and ask for God to be there with you because the comfort you get of knowing that you're not alone, like knowing that you are going to screw up and you're going to fail the people around you, but ultimately like God will be there to meet you with grace, with endless second chances, knowing that like he loved you enough to give you Jesus for this very moment when like you are rock bottom. There's no greater love than that. Like no one will ever love you to that extent as hard as they will try. They won't. And he knows how you feel and he wants to be there with you. I, yeah, I just, yeah, I mean, like at some point, like you, the burnout is just so real that you can't overcome it. Yeah. And to know that you don't have to, like you can go to God as broken as you are, mad, yelling, crying, whatever. He just wants to hold you in it. And that's what I love so much about him. Yeah. Well, the last question that I ask everybody, uh, my favorite question of the podcast, if there's one Bible verse that you would say is your favorite, it could be the one where you're like, this is the one that I held on to through that season or the one that I read now. And it's just like, you know, I need this every day to fill me up because it's a reminder of what God has done. If you had two, um, what would they be? Well, my first is um, Psalm 139, 14. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are marvelous. I know that full well. And I clung to that like as I prayed for all of my children, but also like as a person, I'm so grateful that like, that's what God says about me too. It's not just the children that I've been able to have, but also like he loves me that much as well. And my other is uh, Matthew 11:28. come to me all who are weary and tired and I will give you rest because life is hard, you know, in the ebbs and flows of life. Like I just, I love that God will be there with you and give you the rest that you need when nothing else will. Uh, mine uh, has been this for a long time, but Romans 12, uh, one and two. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. And this is your spiritual act of worship. And verse two it says, "Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test, to attest, that God's will, His good, pleasing, and perfect will." And specifically, like the the be transformed is what I love because you know Bible college you you know learned in in, in Greek like it it's it's actually a command. And it tells you, uh, be transformed. Um, can you? It's it's literally says you continuously be transformed. And it's like, you know, a transformation isn't a one-time thing. Like it's a continual process. And like, and so for me, like, you know, as we talked earlier, like this is not a a bow that's tied, right? <laughs> like this is something that's you know keeps on going. Um, yeah. And so like for me, it's it's a continual process of offering myself to God and, and allowing him to transform me. Thank you guys so much. I know I've asked you a lot over the past few years to share your story and to be real and to be vulnerable. And um, you guys just do such an incredible job of, of setting the pace and the tone with that. And knowing that anytime you're vulnerable, there's a risk. Anytime you're vulnerable, there's emotions. You know, you, you dig back into things that you've healed from and you allow yourself to be exposed, right? Vulnerable means capable of being wounded. And, and you have opened yourselves up uh, to me and this church and to the community of people who listen to this podcast. Um, but more importantly, the thing that, that I admire the most in both of you is that you have allowed God to use your story. And it shapes who you are and it shapes the people that you care for, you know, not just here, but we know it'll be 
for eternity. And so I'm just thankful for you both for taking the time for continuing to lead. And as weird as it sounds, uh, thankful that God called us all together to do this thing. You know, it's, uh, it was a dream. Uh, it was a challenge. It was a lot of us um, unaware of the ways that we need to grow and heal. And God took some really messy things <laughs> and has somehow made it beautiful. And the end result is the culture at this church, and um, which is, I think, the way that we always would have prayed it would be. Um, or even more, immeasurably more, right? Um, and, and through the highs and lows of the past five, six, seven years, uh, you know, we're about to celebrate our 125th baptism in a few weeks. So Again. just thankful for you guys. Yeah, <laughs> all the two. This is why we cry all the time. Um, this is why, if people are ever wondering why we love this church so much, it's not just church. It's it's what God has done in our lives through this community. And um I know it sounds crazy to say this, but we pray for more. And we pray for more broken marriages and messy marriages. We pray for more people in addiction. And we pray for more doubts. Because um, what it means is God's doing something in, in this city and in this church. And so thank you guys so much for sharing, for being willing to talk about uh, your stories. Um, love you guys. Appreciate you so much. Yeah, thanks. thanks.